You're listening to Blaze, the go-to podcast for trailblazing entrepreneurs and anyone passionate about doing business differently. My name is Megan, and together with my guests, I'm pulling back the curtain to bring you the conversations that normally happen behind closed doors. We're sharing practical tips, no BS advice, and inspiring stories to remind you that no matter where you are on your business journey, you're not in this alone. Welcome to our community. Welcome to the Blaze Podcast. you ever wondered what it really takes to get featured in places like Forbes or the New York Times? Do you dream about speaking on stages or being a guest on your favorite podcast? Well, I'm glad to say that your PR dreams may be more accessible than you think. We are breaking down barriers today with PR expert Geneva Davison. Geneva is the owner of Geneva Bliss Media, where she's landed her clients' features in places like the BBC, Forbes, New York Times, Women's Health, podcasts with over 23 million downloads, and so much more. And if that wasn't enough, she's done it all while building her own business and living on board a tiny 1970s sailboat and sailing around the world with her family and her toddler in tow. Geneva is truly one of a kind, and she's a wealth of knowledge on PR and all things visibility. So if you are ready to start getting your name out there in a big way, then you are going to love this conversation. Without further ado, let's dive in. I was just saying before we hit record, you are the perfect person to kick off our very first guest interview with because this show is all about doing business and doing life differently. And that is something you are, you know, such a role model for me and I think for other people as well. So I'm super excited. But before we get into, you know, the ins and outs of your business, I would love to hear a little bit about your origin story. So how did you end up in PR and what drew you to working in that field? Yeah, so... I started out this whole thing as a virtual assistant. It was during COVID. I was a little bit bored as a teacher because <laughs> I was like at home, which is funny. But I was like, oh, I need something. So how that evolved was I got a client that was like, hey, I need a virtual assistant who can just kind of like pitch me to stuff. I want to land PR stuff. Can you pitch me? Well, I don't know about others, but when you start, you're just like, I can do this. I can do that. I will say yes to everything. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll figure it out. So I would be like on YouTube trying to figure it out. I was on all these things trying to figure it out. And over time, I was landing her like BBC, Pop Sugar, like these things that I'm like, oh, I think I'm like good at this. And so I really got passionate the more I learned about how 30% of guest experts in PR are women. And I was like, man, I want to help more women be featured, be the expert and make that stat not as low. <laughs> so that's oh kind of how it all started. Yeah, I love it. I started, I think a lot of people start their online business journey in the VA space. Like you said, and we're like, I will do anything, literally anything you need, <laughs> any task whatsoever. I started as a blog and Pinterest VA and whatever that client threw at me, I was like, yes, I will take it. I will do whatever you need. But I love it. It sounds like you really discovered a talent, like right off the bat, that first client, you know, sending PR pitches. So I've got to ask, you know, what you said you started during COVID. Uh, I did as well. Like I think a lot of entrepreneurs. So what led you to, you know, know, were you tired of teaching? Did you want something else? Or was it like because of the pandemic that you started looking for something online? I knew I wanted out of teaching. I was a teacher for 10 years. I knew I wanted out because of the lifestyle. Uh, I know you get summers off, but it was like, I wake up, I'm there. I don't ever get to like see a sunrise or like have a slow morning walk. I remember looking back on my journals of like, 
I have this dream of in the morning being able to like slowly wake up, go on these walks. Like, I don't know why that was the vision. And so I knew I wanted an exit and I had switched to a homeschool school. So I was like slowly creating that. And then I was like, VA might be the out or not the out, but like might be that lifestyle I want. And then it was so for me, it was like everything my brain needed for this entrepreneurship life. So that's kind of why I was trying to (laughs) build it up. Yeah, 100%. I had that same dream of the slow morning. I think a lot of people have the fantasy of like going on these ventures and traveling and like the freedom that comes with that. And I wanted that too. But I also just really didn't want to like have to set an alarm and wake up and miss the whole morning and dive right into work. So, you know, working in PR and with women in particular, um, I, you know, I think obviously underrepresented in the PR space. You said 30% of guest experts are women. So how has that been? Like, did you niche into that right away? Or like, how did you kind of find that path? I've always leaned more into having female clients. I've connected with them. Um, I also have a lot of mom clients as a mom and just really became passionate about like, they all have these movements and wanted them to be heard more. And I just felt like I connected with them more. And I think as women at school and in culture, we're not really taught to put our voice out there or to be like, oh no, I am the one for this. Whereas that's a little bit more natural, stereotypically, of course, for men to be like, no, me, I'm taking this seat at the table. This is, I am the one. And I just really thought that PR big picture is kind of us as women practicing that skill of being like, no, I am the expert. Come to me. I've got you. And yeah, it just became something that I was passionate about that I was already doing with a lot of like female students that I saw as future leaders and just working to like refine that voice and refine their skills. And I just felt like it translated a lot to PR. Yeah, 100%. And I love the different like ways you can take that same mission of, you know, raising up other women and amplifying their voices, spreading their message and like so many different ways. Like you can do that through PR, through social media, through content. I like to do it through copywriting. Like I love this kind of shared thread that I see over and over again through so many different female entrepreneurs of just helping more women raise each other up. It's awesome. So follow-up question to that, you know, it is, I think, pretty common for women, especially when they start, when they hear PR or they start thinking about pitching themselves, they really do get stuck in like questioning their expertise. And they're like, well, who am I to pitch this publication, big or small? Or like, I don't feel like I have enough experience or I'm not that expert yet. So what do you say to someone who's like struggling with that mindset? Yeah, well, first off, if you have a business and clients, you are already an expert to your client. So you are already practicing that role. You have already put that hat on, whether you realize it or not. That's kind of what you're doing as an entrepreneur. You're the expert. And, you know, it's not a financial level. It's not a follower level. It's really just the confidence and the knowledge you have. I'm sure you, you, many of us have the receipts to show the results we've gotten for our clients and in that expertise. And so I just kind of encourage them a lot of times to see that they're already there, to to own that role and to take it on because they're already there. They just feel like now the eyes or the stage is a little bigger and to just kind of, you know, let that fall away and see they are the expert. Yeah, 100%. I think so many people need to hear that message. If you own a business, whether you've been doing this for a couple of months or a couple of years, you are already the expert. It's not about getting you there. It's about helping you see that you are already there. So I love that. What about someone who, you know, they're thinking about pitching themselves and they, they're working on their confidence, they're working up to it and they're like psyching themselves up and then they go to write the pitch and they're like, oh my God, 
what am I even going to talk about? <laughs> like, how do you brainstorm good pitch options? How do you decide, like, you know, how you want to position yourself if you're, you know, niching and like finding what you're going to be known for is sort of like an ongoing process. It's like an evolution of your brand that changes over time. So how do you find like the perfect pitch topic? Yeah. So I just want to start by saying I am not a copywriter. We were actually talking about this before we got on. So I don't see myself as like this really gifted copywriter. And that's why my clients have results. So if you are listening and you're like, oh, I could never write that. I am not that either. It's all about seeing the value that you could provide to that host as a podcast or to that publication. For example, in every single time that I am pitching to a publication, I'm not just copying and pasting templates. I have a specific section that says why this pitch is valuable to Forbes audience. And I'm specifically pulling stats about what their audience looks like, why they need to hear it. And I'm showing that value. So there's that part that you always want to be having in your head. And it kind of helps me to make sure that I'm pitching my clients with the right value to the right people, but also so that they can see it too. When you're formulating the exact topics, you kind of want to be thinking in that same way, you know, not just like my story to how I created a six-figure business. Well, like, cool, but tell me, like, how is that going to help my audience is what the host wants to know or the writer. So you could still feature that, but tell me, okay, I grew my business to six figures, five tips to, you know, do this from the ground up or like something like that is a little bit more to them and less about you. So I really kind of stay away from the like, my story is this. And I want my clients and everyone to know to make sure they are thinking of the audience and the value to them, not about you and getting those publications. <laughs> okay, Geneva, I know you said you're not a copywriter. I think you're underselling yourself here because you obviously have written some fantastic pitches that have landed your clients huge, incredible, big name features. So I want to pause for a second here and say, you know, the same thing applies to copywriting. And it's that same fundamental rule of like, you have to think about the audience first before yourself as the business owner or as the person pitching. So <laughs> I say same thing applies to PR, you know, think about that value to the reader, to the audience or listener, if it's like a podcast pitch. Um, but yeah, that is fantastic advice. And I want to pause for a second because you have been dropping some big names, you know, Forbes, BBC. So how did you like, how did you land those first features? Like you mentioned you did that for your very first client. So like, what was that like? How does someone break into those big name publications if they are hearing that right now and they're kind of intimidated by it. Yeah. So, and this is something that I help my one-on-one -on -one clients with because I think for, you know, another part of my movement is of course, increasing the women expertise, but also showing that this is accessible to everyone. You know, I'm, I'm not gatekeeping it or it's not for just those with like an agent. It's not that it's accessible to everyone. So the way to often start is there are a lot of PR databases, some free, some paid, that you can sign up for today, right now, as just whoever you are. And each day, like I was just checking them before we hopped on, each day, three times a day, I get a, an email with about 100 requests that are like, I am looking for this person that specializes in this. Um, one of them today was, I'm looking for a business owner on how they use social media for their business, right? And the thing is, in press, it moves fast. So you have to be checking it often. This is why my clients hire me to do it because they're like, I don't have time for that. 
So if you are responding quickly and with clear, great responses and complete sentences, and you throw in your bio and your photo and your website and you show your thinking of all the things and you get that in there quick, they'll grab it and run with it. Um, so that's how I started at first was scrubbing these databases three times a day, being so diligent, responding well. And now I've built relationship and it's kind of developed more, but that's how I've started. So anyone can really start and do it. Awesome. And do you want to share what those databases are for anyone who's listening and oh, curious? Of course. You probably heard of a lot of them. The first one is Haro, H-A-R-O, and that one's completely free. You will need to sign up with a like non-business. It needs to have like a name sort of thing in the email address. So if yours doesn't work, just make like a fun Gmail one that you could use. So there's that one, H-A-R-O. Um, they are moving over to a platform called Connectively. So you might see that up there. And then the other one is Quoted, Q-W-O-T-E-D. There's a free and a paid version. The paid is $150 a month. I have it for my clients, but the free, the, the problem is you can only send two pitches a month for free, but you could select your two well. It could end you up with Forbes or something great. Um, and then the last one is Editorial, which is a UK-based one. So that was how I landed my first client in BBC was working through Editorial and those ones there. So that was kind of how I started. Um, so yeah, those are kind of like the three main ones that you can use and sign up for right after you listen to this episode. Yeah, I love it. You can go take action right away, literally <laughs> press pause and sign up for those because they are so good. So many opportunities. And like you said, like hundreds of, you know, editors and people every day looking for pitches. And I think the benefit is also that, you know, if you're reading those and it lands in your inbox, you don't have to come up with the the topic so much. Like people are out there telling you what they want, you know, articles and features written or published on. So all you have to do is, you know, wait for one to land in your inbox that sounds like something you could write about or speak about. I was just going to say that I call it kind of like warm pitching versus cold pitching. So, you know, when we have like warm leads, we feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more, I kind of want to use the word like ethical, I guess, more like, oh, this, they wanted me. I'm not like cold pitching or like dropping in their DMs. We also do cold pitching, which is acceptable in the industry and great, but this is what I like to say, warm pitching. Yeah, I love that distinction. I think it's a great place to start for someone who's maybe feeling intimidated or uncomfortable sending the totally cold pitch, then it's great to look for what people are already searching for because you're feeling a need that they obviously have. So I think that was how I landed my first feature actually was something like, you know, Authority Magazine posts those lists of like topics they want. And it's like, they're telling you exactly what they want you to write about. So go and look that up. Um, if you want an easy place to start, Authority Magazine is is great for that as well. Um, so in terms of cold pitches, then what is your advice for someone? I want to talk about like two different, you know, uh, scenarios here. So one is the person who's like just getting started and they want to DIY and pitch themselves. And then we'll talk about someone who's like maybe a bit more established and wants to work, you know, either with a publicist or an agency. So starting with the total beginner, what are your like top tips for crafting cold pitches or like some common mistakes that you see people make? Yeah, this, I would say it is a harder skill and, you know, so don't get frustrated if you aren't getting a ton of those at first, but I would say that show the value, right? Direct value, say it explicitly. This is why it is valuable to you and break it down, you know, to what the points are that you want to talk about. Keep it really simple, clear. They are getting hundreds of pitches in their inbox a day. So you want to make sure that yours is like concise and clear and not this novel that's going on. 
as well as I hate to say it, but because they're getting hundreds, the subject line really matters. I was going to ask. Yep. (laughs) The line really matters. So I did a lot of work with this Forbes writer that I connected with, and she's really taught me a lot about how to stand out as she is a Forbes writer. So she's really incredible. But um, you just really having that stand out, even to the point of putting like pitch in the subject line and then the really catchy thing. So they know, okay, I'm being pitched. I see what this is all of those things. So I would just say why it matters to them explicitly. The key points and brevity is key and then a really good subject line. Yeah. Okay. Subject line is so crucial for any email you send, but especially pitches. Like I've gotten emails before and it's like, what is even, you know, what are you trying to say here? Like what is the point of this email? So I love the idea of putting pitch right in the subject line. It sets the expectation. And I think a big mistake people make, you know, pitch emails that I've read is they spend that subject line or the first paragraph talking about themselves without telling them why they're sending the email. So it's just like, you know, here, this is what I do. This is my life story. And it's like, okay, but you know, why am I reading this? So what are your tips? Like, do you have a go-to subject line or formula? Like aside from putting pitch, you just write pitch and then like the topic or um, do you have any other tips around an attention grabbing subject line? Yeah, what I've learned a lot about is just making it kind of like the headline. So picture an article, right? And you see that like bold piece at the top that makes you stop scrolling and look and like, oh, what was that article? And then sometimes it's like not even anything about that. Don't want to do that. That is not a good idea. But think about that headline and what would like stand out and pop, you know? So I was writing one this morning for a client who has built a business and she has Tourette's and it's like part of her story and her brand. And so saying like, you know, building a seven figure business while managing Tourette's and like kind of having that like pop of, oh, wow, she has this and really thinking what would the headline be that would grab someone versus just like building a six figure business. Like you kind of want to, what would be that thing that someone's like, oh, this is different. This is unique. This isn't someone just talking more and more about building that, but maybe the more struggles of mental health on that side or physical health, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just listening to you talk and I'm like, are you sure you're not a copywriter, Geneva? I think there's definitely (laughs) some copywriting skills or sales skills involved in the PR pitching process. And I'm listening to you and I'm like, damn, I would read that article. Like, please forward me (laughs) your client's article. And I'm thinking like, you know, the one thing that's going through my head as I'm listening to you talk is like, what would you say to someone? I think a lot of times, like aside from just not knowing like what topic to pitch is people think if they want to share their story, they think, you know, there's nothing that exciting or different in my story. Like I didn't build a seven figure business with Tourette's. Like I don't have that unique um, spin or backstory or whatever it is. So do you have any tips or is there anything you do with your clients around like you really digging out like the heart of their story or like what makes them unique, like for the pitching process? Like, do you have anything to say to that? Yeah, there's two pieces that I'm going to talk about here is a little bit of the research that I do and then a little bit of the research on my clients. So First, I'll talk about the research that I do. I am going through Google Alerts and Google and searching kind of topics that are happening, that are coming out right now. A common thing right now is fertility, women in the workplace, and AI stuff. And so that's Mm -hmm. like a lot of things people are talking about. And I know that a lot of these articles are repetitive. And so because it's like a trending topic, I know a lot of reporters are going to want to have their take. But I'm thinking... How can my clients have a unique spin on AI or a unique spin as a business owner managing their fertility or, you know, things like that versus just build your side hustle, 
so you can, you know, quit your nine to five. Like that's really like general. A lot of side hustle talk happens. You want it to be more of a unique or use a different term than these common terms. So looking the research, looking at what's popular and then finding a way to spin it different where it's a new unique thing that will stand out from everyone else because the the editor, the writers, they want to stand out. You know, they don't want just another article about these key topics. So there's that part that I'm doing a lot. And then when I onboard my clients in each quarter, we also do this again. We have a sit down meeting on Zoom and I am just picking their brain. I'm like, tell me more about when you started. Or you mentioned in this post some stuff about, you know, how you felt about this. Talk to me more about that. Or like, I noticed you went to the Beyonce concert. Why is Beyonce cool to you? Because I know that's trending and I'm trying to create <laughs> anything. So I'm just like picking out of their head anything that I can to learn more about them and to stand out to create these different pitches. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I do. Yeah, I think there's something so valuable about getting that outside like perspective on yourself and your story and your business, because a lot of times with our own business and our own story, we're kind of blind to those things that, because they don't seem unique to us, right? Like they're just so ingrained in us that it takes someone else saying, oh, you know what? Like that's actually really interesting. So I think that's a great idea. Like maybe, you know, if you're not working with an agency or publicist, like get together with some of your business friends and kind of bounce those ideas around. Because I think other people can give you better insight into what makes you unique and what would be the best topic for you to pitch on. And I love the idea of like staying on top of industry trends as well. I cannot read anymore basic articles about AI and the future of online business and digital marketing. I feel like I've read it all. So if someone could come up with like a unique spin on that, I would be super impressed. I can see how that works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People are like, I don't want to hear more about side hustles or AI unless there's something unique. And even when I like talked with that writer to learn more, she was like, you know, just even changing the terminology is so powerful for them as the writers, which I thought was a really cool point that, you know, Um, We can still talk about this trending stuff, but what do we do to spin it on its head? And kind of like we are in our businesses, what do we do to make this different, to make us stand out, to make us the go-to? Ooh, that's interesting. I would love to hear, like, how do you spin, you know, the terminology and the words themselves or something like AI or even the fertility topic? Like, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that was, you know, kind of an ongoing trend. I've definitely heard people talking about it more, um, but that's super interesting. So, I've got two questions here. One is like, how do you find that unique spin? And like, how do you change the terminology? Like, where do you, you know, play around with the words? And also like, do you have any tips for staying on top of those trends? Because a lot of times I feel like, you know, by the time the trend is really obvious, it's almost like too late to hop on the bandwagon and there's like a new trend coming. So how do you do that? What does your research process look like? Yeah, I've tried two different ways. The first way was overwhelming to my brain, but I will share it in case this is the way people work. I would set Google alerts for different key terms and things. Mm. And, but those come every day, each night. And so I was getting like 30 emails, you know? Yeah, that's and a lot. Overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, it was overwhelming. So now I set aside certain times each month where I'm like hopping in, I'm searching through different things. I'm looking at different big publications my clients want, like New York Times, let's say. I'm looking at what they're talking about a lot. And I'm just kind of like scrubbing around, looking at different places, looking at the news, searching like entrepreneur, searching like female entrepreneurs. A lot of my clients are women of color. So searching about topics around that or social justice. And yeah, I'm doing my own sort of research, which usually leads me down like another rabbit hole. Or, you know, I see a writer that I like 
she has written about a ton of things and that gives me an idea. And so you kind of just like feed through and I'll set, you know, okay, for an hour, I'm going to do this. And I bring my, my journal. Cause for me, I like to write it all down and, and I'm just like, it's like a mad scientist and I'm just thinking of ideas and writing stuff and have different client names next to it. And that's the way my brain likes a little better. It feels really creative and fun to me. Whereas like the daily emails were mentally exhausting. <laughs> so whatever strategy <laughs> yeah. works for you. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent. I can I can totally see me doing that and getting overwhelmed within like twenty four hours. So um, no addition <laughs> there. But I guess you know whatever works. Uh, so if people are you know we talked about the DIY phase. If someone is listening to this and they're like, oh my god, I do not have the time or mental energy to do all this myself, and they're curious about working with a publicist um, or a PR strategy and like getting support with that, where do they start? What are your recommendations for like you know finding the right person? And then I, you talked about your research process. If you want to share like a little bit more about what it looks like to actually to work with you or work with a PR expert. Yeah. So when you're looking for a good match, something that I recommend is, you know, easily you can go and search on Instagram and usually a lot of people will come up or recommendations or, you know, you can always get recommendations from others. So once you kind of have these ideas of different people, what I recommend is to go to their portfolio page look at things that their clients have published. Does it feel aligned to you? Does it light you up? Do you like what they're putting out there? Because it's kind of giving you an idea of what they're pitching, the kind of people they're working with, what industries they understand. And it will, you'll kind of know, you'll kind of feel either connected to it or disconnected to it. And you're like, oh, that's not a fit. Not that they're a bad PR specialist, but you'll really want to kind of align and see that that person is really good at pulling that stuff out of you. That is your value. That is your unique spin that we keep talking about. So that's one thing I usually recommend. And even when I get, you know, like a cold lead and they ask, I'll send them my portfolio page and like, here are some of the past features. So you can kind of see how I pitch or what they, you know, that kind of thing. And um, if it's a fit, great. And if it's not for them, also great. So I want you to you know, if you're listening to feel like that's a great place that you can kind of see. And then the other part would be that you asked what it's like when people work with me. So the process there is, you know, we talk, we hop on a sales call, we chat through what would the strategy be for you and how would that look? If you're doing my done for you services, then I'm pitching you to speaking podcasts and press. And, uh, you know, we sign the contract we onboard for about a week where I'm getting everything set up. I'm getting like this base bios and, um, you know, working with you or your team to gather any headshots, whatever I might need so that when we start and hit the ground running, I have everything to start getting features, you know, that first month. And we hop on a call before we start, like I mentioned before, and I just try to pull stuff out of you and ask questions about your onboarding form. Okay, you talked about this. How did you start your business? Why did you leave your old career? You know, all of those things that I can really build into. And then in the month, I'm writing the pitches. I'm responding to the writers and making sure of that. Really big places like New York Times need to do an interview direct with you. So sometimes you have to hop onto that, but really it's pretty hands-off unless it's a podcast interview a speaking event or these really high end, you know, interviews. So you're kind of like hands off after that. And I just send it off to you and your team and you guys get to share and publicize and do all the things. Do you have any advice on like, you know, if someone is in your thinking about growing their visibility, like how do you find the best channel for that? You know, whether it's like speaking engagements, podcasts, written articles, or like do you recommend a mix of all three? 
yeah, what I recommend for which outlet to focus on is, you know, I really see the three working together. But if you're like, I don't have the capacity to do speaking, like in masterminds or summits or things like that, and podcasts and press, I would say first, especially if you're doing the done free or the DIY version, start with press. That feels really simple. Just kind of look through there and use that skill of pitching yourself well and see what gets picked up to start creating how you would pitch to certain podcasts and build into there. So I would say press first can be really simple and then podcast because podcast is going to take more of your time with calls. So if you're short on time, the press is like a great way to start. And I see it really effective as well as you can take these features and repurpose them. Here's some email ideas, podcast episode ideas, social content. So that's where I would say to start. Yeah, that's great advice. And now I'm curious, like, do you do mastermind, like guest expert pitching for your clients as well? Do you have any advice around that? Because I think that's something a lot of people want to sort of break into, but aren't sure where to start. Like, is that more of a relationship building kind of scenario or is it like a cold pitch? Yeah, it can be a little bit of both. Now, these you really need to be, because if you think about your masterminds, it's a really intimate setting and it's their clients and they are trusting you. You want to make sure that you are really showing that you understand them, you know them really personal. So like using their direct name, I saw on your sales page, you're talking about this lesson in your third module. You know, I really like really showing that you understand them and their clients and what's going on in there. So it really has to be personal because it's an intimate setting. They're trusting you with their clients. Oh, that is so good. I actually have never thought about doing that. I love giving guest masterclasses, but all the ones I've ever taught have been, you know, they've approached me or it was someone I'd already connected with, um, you know, through a podcast or someone in my network, something like that. But it's actually a really smart idea. I didn't even realize that was like a thing that people did. Um, but I think it's a great way to, you know, build trust with a new audience. Cause like you said, it's so much more intimate, I think. Um, and you build a relationship not only with the person who's, you know, hosting the mastermind, but also their, their client or their students as well. So awesome. I want to talk about, you know, one of your kind of key messages is making PR more accessible to people and specifically to women and women of color, like you mentioned. So I want to talk about like, what are the biggest misconceptions you see about PR um, that might hold people back from breaking into this space? Or what are some of the things or like misbeliefs around that in general? I would say the first one I think of is the, the term you have to pay to play. Everyone thinks like you can only be featured in these big places if you pay these big mm. feature fees. And is there that? Yes, there is. Is that the only way? No, it is not. If your value and what you're pitching is great or responding to those warm pitches is great, you can easily be featured. You know, I have gone to pitch a client to a podcast and I'll see on their page like, fee feature fee ten thousand dollars and I'm just like so many people probably think that the only way to be on these big podcasts is to pay that fee so therefore it's not accessible I just want to make sure people know that that is not the only way and there's so much like I said I'm getting a hundred three times a day requests of these things that we're not paying for you know and um so that's that's the big one and then I would also just say that you know, it's not only for those with a high follower count or who have hit this this big multiple six figure, seven figure area. There's no monetary or follower count 
requirement that I think a lot of people think there is. Yeah, it's so interesting because I think PR is something that people, you know, we think there's these barriers, but they really don't exist. And it's just sort of this kind of common like mythology around what it takes to get featured in the media. And I think a lot of it comes from, you know, like you said, the pay to play sort of narrative that a lot of people hear or, you know, you've got those <laughs> spam DMs on Instagram that are like, we want to feature you. It'll only be, you know, $10,000, like you said. So that one is super, super common. But now I want to switch gears a little bit because Geneva, not only do you have all these impressive accolades and media features to your names, even in landed your clients in places like you know Forbes and the New York Times, but you've also built this incredible business of your own and you've done it all while living on board a vintage sailboat and traveling the world with your family, which I think is so, so incredible. I want to hear all of the details. So first of all, how did you end up living on a boat and how has that been running your business while traveling around? Yeah, so I technically like my residency is in San Diego. Um, and we were, I had gotten married in 2016 and two years later, we were like, we're not ready to buy a house. You know, cost of living is a little high. We would love to do like tiny home living, but we want to be on the ocean because we loved the ocean. So we were like, you know what? Let's see if we can just like live on a sailboat for a year. I had never sailed. Like that was not a thing. Oh my God. I did not know that. I love that. <laughs> You just really jumped full in. So we bought this $5,000 1973 sailboat it was a Catalina 30 if anyone knows boats it's really common and she was like old faithful her name was winging it which I thought was so appropriate because that's that's just life and um yeah we were like let's do it for a year we had been on it about three weeks and I looked at my husband and I was like I cannot leave this like I love this and there was just something about like the intimacy of the sunsets and the way there's like this like tickle under the boat at right before sunset that you hear like the water changes and you're just like I don't know this sounds like I'm crazy I swear I'm not <laughs> and I loved the simplicity of living I mean you're on solar we were making our own water and yeah there's just like this really simple life to it and I did my entire pregnancy on there brought my daughter home to it like it was just a special place. So that's how we started and we fell in love. And then we were like, boats are meant to move. It is time to take this boat out. So when my business was taking off and I finally quit teaching, I and Starlink came out, we were like, let's go. And so that's kind of how the whole journey began. Oh my God. I I have so many thoughts, so many questions, starting with making your own water. <laughs> I have to ask, what does that mean? Are you collecting rainwater or what is going on on this boat? So these are like the common questions we get. Yeah. So we're taking the salt water and doing like a reverse osmosis and desalination. Oh, okay. Yes. And creating water. Yeah. Oh my God. I, yeah, I'm so obsessed with you guys and this story and everything you're doing. It's unique, right? We hear so many people doing the digital nomad thing and they're traveling around, but you don't often hear people doing it on a boat on the water. So just kudos to you guys. I, I love it all. Where I have to ask, where's your favorite place you've been so far? The Sea of Cortez is in Mexico. And it's like not even that far from San Diego, right? But I think Mexico is so underrated sometimes. I mean, the most turquoise blue waters and whale sharks and 
like hundreds of sea turtles just popping their heads up. It sounds like old men like gasping for air. They're like, ah, you know, it's just it's this beautiful place that a lot of times we think of, you know, Tahiti or Fiji or Hawaii, but it, it's just, it's magical. <laughs> it is. It's beautiful. And it's so close. If you're already, you know, in San Diego or California, you don't have to go far for that incredible scenery. So like you're building your business while living on this boat, this was before you had your daughter when you first started, right? So like, did you have any like fears or hesitations or did you just jump right in? Like, we're doing this, we're buying a boat, we're doing the thing. Yeah, I I wasn't afraid of anything besides like, you know, what were the unknowns that I wouldn't know? What if like my husband wasn't there and it started to take on water? Like there was this sense of like, Oh gosh. I oh, damn, yeah. yeah. Like what is happening? And sailing really pushed me out of my comfort zone in a similar way of if something happens to him, I need to know how to like run the ship, literally run this boat, like know what happens and know how it all works. And so there was like a level of that confidence building. So I did have some hesitations of, you know, I'm, I'm four foot 10, like I'm a small human. So can I like even manage the sails? Can I manage this boat? Like what is happening? So those were my hesitations that I had, but overall it was like, oh, let's give it a whirl. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like there's such a, a metaphor there for like life and business. You know, you conquered this incredible thing. You could, you know, building a business is easy compared to that. So did your husband know how to sail or were you just like both of you flying blind? He, in college, we had a friend who worked for this like sailing yacht club thing and he would like hop on the boat with him once a week randomly. So he was exposed. Did he know how to sail? No. YouTube was his friend. <laughs> you guys literally YouTubed your way into the sailing. That's why I'm life. saying the name of the boat winging it was like, yeah, that's that's, that's what's happening. <laughs> pretty accurate. Oh my gosh. I love it. So in terms of like running your business, I have, I'm curious about like logistically, what has that looked like? Um, what have the challenges been? Has it made it more rewarding? Like how have you balanced, you know, being on, I was gonna say on the road, on the sea, I guess, um, and yeah. running your business? So originally the game changer has been Starlink. Originally we had hotspots. We had like seven hotspots that we bought. And you would like run out of data and like have to use your phone. And it was just a giant shit show, like not fun. Sometimes you'd end up trying to go to Starbucks. And if we'd been cruising like that, it would have been a mess. So Starlink came out and literally as we're leaving San Diego and doing the like 14 day journey, I'm in the middle of the ocean, like taking a call and no one even knows. And I'm just like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And like business went as usual. I didn't even take time off. It was strong. It was great. So that was a big game changer and a hurdle at first. The next thing is I had a lot of like self-confidence doubts about if people would think I was legitimate if I was mm -hmm. on a boat. So I felt like at first I was always trying to hide the background or, you know, things like that. And you got now the fake just, Zoom screen yeah, on behind you. Yeah. <laughs> and now I just kind of own it. And I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, on the old boat, it was not like as pretty looking inside. Our boat now is like a little bit newer. And so I have kind of an area that looks better. But especially on like a sales call, I wanted to make sure they knew that. And like, yes, I have strong internet. Yes, this is great. So that was one part. And then this is kind of a funny story, but I've had it where I'll be on a call being doing something and I have to kind of play it cool. But like a seagull flew in 
or like <laughs> oh my god that is that's next level you know I've had that experience with like a spider or something on my desk and I'm yeah. like I'm trying to be cool on the call and like not scream and run away but a seagull <laughs> is truly next level yeah it was like sitting on the counter trying to eat food off the plate and I'm just sitting there like trying to like off camera get it and I was just like oh my gosh so you have random things like that I think the only difficult part I would say is managing weather windows like sometimes safety wise it's like we have to get out of here today because tomorrow is going to be 60 knots and we need out of here you know and so making sure that I have kind of stayed always a little bit ahead so that if a, if a surprise weather window came up you know there's no delay for my clients I'm still scrubbing things and doing that but like pitches are sent things are ahead of schedule always because I need to take into effect a weather window or, you know, there's a repair that has to be like safety. Safety is like a big thing. Mm -hmm. So really that's kind of the only thing is making sure I plan for any random things that can happen on the boat. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, you know, that's a good practice in business, whether you're operating on land or on sea, especially if you're taking your business, like traveling. I always like, if I'm traveling, I'm always working ahead of schedule because there's just so many things you can't predict especially if you're moving around often so it's always better to you know play it safe and be a little (laughs) bit ahead but it's so funny that you were worried about what people would think of you living on the boat because my first impression of you you were already living on the boat when we met um, in our mastermind group and I remember you know we went around and all the women were introducing themselves and I think you were maybe like just on audio and it was just like a picture of you like out in the ocean somewhere and you were like you know hey I'm Geneva and like I do PR and video and here's like a bit about me and my business and you're like and we also am on a sailboat currently with my family sailing around the world while I'm building this business and doing all this stuff and I was like that is so badass like I was so (laughs) impressed we were all so impressed with you so I just want to say I think it's had the opposite effect that you thought I think you know it made us take you all even more seriously because we were so impressed with you and you know the business that you're able to run while dealing with things like you know potential stormy seas and hurricane weather well I'm glad to know that that's how it was received so that's good that's good (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh my gosh and you know like I said off the top of this episode I think you were such a great example of someone who's built their business around their life and not the other way around you know you're like how can I create a business that's going to enable me and my family to live this lifestyle of you know sailing and traveling and all the freedom that comes with that so do you have any advice for any female entrepreneurs and particular moms I think who you know they want that that freedom and they're trying to build a business around that or make them work together I just think you're such a great great example so do you have any advice on that Yeah, especially, you know, as moms, we want to be with our babies a lot of times, but we often also have like this part of our brain that wants to be used in a different way, or we know we need to bring financially. And so like that, that's kind of like a pressure or a thing. And, you know, for me specifically, and there's anyone else out there, I am the breadwinner. And so there is like that pressure going on too. And so one key thing I would say is seek support and people you can talk to, whether that is a mastermind that's like, you know, paid support kind of thing, or it's just other business owners in a community or just family or anyone like have people that you can talk to about it, especially like outside of your spouse or anything like that. Not that your spouse is bad, but just having that freedom to share and express is one thing that I really 
encourage other women who are wanting to build that around the lifestyle they want, whether that's, you know, being home with their babies or sailing across the world. So there's that part to it. And then I would also say, you know, I was really hard on myself about if I worked a night or a weekend. And so I think getting out of the nine to five mindset that has been built into so many of us, because I think a lot of times we put pressure on ourselves that, oh, now I have this business and I'm working too much. But this is something I really learned in the mastermind that we met in was like, it's okay if you're going to work a weekend, it, you know, that's fine. If you're also like, hey, but on Monday, I went paddleboarding in the morning, I took a walk with my daughter, and I did this. So just having that like breath of fresh air in your mind of like, you are not bad because you worked at night or the weekend, your life looks different. And that's what you wanted. That's what you're like trying to build. And that was something that I was really hard on myself about. So it's something else that I try to encourage people of, it'll look different, and it, it will be outside of the normal hours, but also look at what you get to do. So I hope that's yeah. good advice. Yeah, no, that is such good advice. Whether someone is, you know, just wants to be home with their family or if they want to, you know, buy a sailboat and travel the world, I think the same advice applies either way. And that's something I struggled with too, you know, the whole like nine to five mentality is so ingrained in us. And we think like, oh, I shouldn't be working nights and weekends. Like, you know, I sacrificed my old job so that I could have this freedom. And now here I am, like working overtime. But like you said, sometimes working those kind of strange, uh, like out of the ordinary hours is what enables you to take like a random. Wednesday off so I think like just getting into a different headspace and thinking like you know what I'm creating my own own routine my own schedule and you know we talk about this like freedom lifestyle but I think that means different things to different people so it's finding what works for you okay I'm curious if you could go back in time to that version of you five years ago who was just starting out on this journey of you know buying the sailboat and leaving behind your teaching career what would you tell you from five years ago I like feel so connected to that person like I look at her and I'm like oh man she didn't even like know what was coming that's so so sweet like I feel so tender looking back at that <laughs> but I would probably that could go two ways, right? Or like, oh, she doesn't know what's coming, or she doesn't know what's coming. <laughs> probably both. <laughs> it's a bit honestly. of both, yeah. Yeah. But like, I would say use your story and look around at your skills. Or I think I just kept like scrambling to anything. I think if I look back now, I'm like, you can you're allowed to make change, but like use your story instead of trying to run away from it and take those skills with you and what can it become um, instead of just like, I want out of this and, you know, but taking it and running things would have happened faster if I had just leaned into to that. Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. And so beautiful. Use your story, use your voice a hundred percent. Okay. Geneva, are you ready to wrap things up with our bonus round? Yeah. Awesome. So for those of you who don't know, our email community is called the Savor and Celebrate Newsletter. And I chose that name as a reminder to myself and everyone in this community with us to slow down, embrace the journey, and celebrate all of the wins along the way. So that said, Geneva, what's something that you are savoring right now? Oh my gosh. Speaking of boat world, I am savoring. I'm. We rented a house for hurricane season in Bend, Oregon. So I'm in a house right now waiting out hurricanes. And as one does, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I am savoring unlimited hot showers at whatever time of day I would like. 
Oh my gosh. I love, it's the simple things, right? The things you don't appreciate until you can't have a hot shower anytime you want. Well, on the boat, you can it. only take a hot shower like 11 to 1 when solar is peaking. So like if it's nighttime okay. and you want to shower, you just like, it's not going to be that hot. So things like that. Oh my gosh. Well, you enjoy those hot showers, girl. Okay. What <laughs> is your favorite way to celebrate an accomplishment? Yeah, this is something I'm trying to get better at, but my favorite yeah, way to I know. We all are. I hear that a lot. <laughs> I get asked this all the time. Oh my gosh, cool. How are you celebrating? I'm like, damn, I don't know. Okay. like <laughs> Awkward silence. Yeah. <laughs> so something I'm trying to do is ask for, when, that, when I have a win, ask for alone time, I guess, which usually is me like going for a walk either on the water when we're on the boat or, you know, here in the hills. Um, Cause it's not something I really ask for or I carve out. And so trying to force myself, like you have this win, go take some space, like put in a favorite podcast or walk around with some Taylor Swift playing in your ears or whatever it is. (laughs) That's how I'm trying to celebrate. (laughs) Oh, that is so good. And I know that we as women and especially moms, I think are probably not the best at that. So that's my hope of, you know, asking this question is hopefully it sparks some inspiration for people. So yes, go listen to Taylor Swift and have your alone time. Um, (laughs) All right, and then to close out, what is a win that you've celebrated recently? It can be big, small, business, or personal. Oh my goodness. Okay, this win, I'm, it's kind of nerdy, and I'm super excited about it, but I'm working on building out this whole like PR system that I'm going to have to make my business really smooth, and it will like automate sending reports to my clients and like the, you know, automate a lot of these different things. And I'm so just excited about it. It feels like a big win and it will just take my hands off a lot of things and clean things up and be such a better client experience. So I'm excited about this. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. Whenever someone says like, oh, you know, this is really nerdy or like it's not that excited, you know, it's about to be really good. So I'm (laughs) excited for you. Okay, Geneva, tell everyone where they can connect with you, where they can learn more if they want to hear from you more about PR and visibility strategy or just connect with you online. Where's the best place? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Geneva Bliss Media. My website is also GenevaBlissMedia.com. And then I have my email list, which is a weekly series just teaching you more about PR, visibility, and, you know, all the different ways that I can serve via one-on-one coaching or the done-for-you services. So those are the best places to find me. Perfect. And for everyone listening, I am on Geneva's email list and it's awesome. She's got a free guide on how to get started growing your visibility as well when you opt in. So don't miss that. Okay, Geneva, thank you so much for joining me. It has been so lovely talking to you and I can't think of a better person to kick off this podcast with. Thanks for having me.